friends, good morning. Uh, it's wonderful to be with us today as we uh, come to our penultimate sermon in our Joshua series. This morning we're going to open Joshua chapter 23 together. Uh, we'll read the full chapter, it's just 16 verses, uh, and I'll put the words on the screen if you would like to follow along. So Joshua chapter 23 entitled Joshua's Charge to Israel's Leaders, reading from verse 1. A long time afterward, when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding enemies, and Joshua was old and well advanced in years, Joshua summoned all Israel, its elders and heads, its judges and officers, and said to them, I am now old and well advanced in years. And you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake, for it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes those nations that remain, along with all the nations that I have already cut off from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. The Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight, and you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. Therefore, be strong to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right nor to the left, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you, or make mention of the names of their gods, or swear by them, or serve them, or bow down to them. But you shall cling to the Lord your God, just as you, just as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts flight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you, just as he promised you. Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. For if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them so that you associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. And now... I am about to go the way of all the earth, and you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you, not one of them has failed, but just as all good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until he has destroyed you from, those, from this good land that the Lord your God has given you, if you transgress your covenant of the Lord your God which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them. Then the anger of your God will be kindled against you, and you shall perish quickly from off the good land that he has given you. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank you that your word is alive, that your word is able through your spirit to breathe new life into us. Lord, this morning as we open this passage, would you speak to each one of us afresh? Would we know something more of who you are, your goodness to us, your great character? 
Lord, and would you make these words of Joshua relevant to our lives? In your name we pray. Amen. On Wednesday night, uh, if you weren't able to join us, I unpacked a little bit of Joshua's words in chapter 22 to the Eastern tribes, to the Reubenites, to the Gadites, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, when they were given their land. And he was given those words, he gave those words to those tribes to encourage them. And I guess this morning, in a similar vein, what I want to do is unpack a little bit, uh, this time, not of his statements to those leaders, but a few years later to Israel's leaders. In the last nine chapters from chapter 13, we have read the accounts in, uh, of Joshua separating the land among the tribes. And he speaks to each of them of how they should live and how they, he, they should honour God on their land. And this morning in this passage in chapter 23, we're told that a long time afterwards, we find Joshua in his conversations years later, years after the land has divvied up. And wonderfully, we find Israel in a place of peace from their enemies. Thank goodness, it's been a rough and a long ride for God's people. But they know now peace from their enemies. There is peace in the promised land. And Joshua now is an old man nearing the end of his life. These aren't quite the words from his deathbed. But Joshua is getting ready to share some of his greatest wisdom that he has accumulated throughout all his life. So he summons all the leaders of Israel, a huge meeting, the elders and heads, the judges and the officers, all the top dogs, all the leaders, all the decision makers were present. And what we find is 13 verses of Joshua pouring out his wisdom, his encouragement and also his challenge to them. I wonder if you can think of somebody that you respect so much that when they speak, you listen. It could be somebody like the Queen. It could be the CEO of your business that when they walk into the room, everything falls silent and people pay attention. Or it could be a great friend that always has the right thing to say at the right time. Or it could be a family member who just gets you. Maybe it's somebody who speaks with authority or maybe it's somebody in all gentleness just has great wisdom. Whoever it is, I'm sure we can all picture somebody but when they speak, we sit up, we pay attention and we listen. This is very much the scenario we find ourselves in here with Joshua. All the leaders gathered together and they listen. Because when Joshua speaks, the nation listens. For me, the person that I always took, uh, sat up and listened to was my great granny. My great granny was always old. Ever since I've been totsy wee, she was always very, very old. And even when I was trying to be a cool teenager, I absolutely loved my wee great-granny in her 90s. And I just remember that whatever she said, I listened. Because she had great wisdom. And I really loved her. And I just thought that she was the best. When someone we respect speaks, we listen. And surely then, that the wisdom of the leader of the people that took the promised land that we have been on this great journey on through a number of weeks when he pours out his heart, when he shares his wisdom, surely there is something here for us to sit up and take note of. So really what I'd like to do again, similar as we did to Wednesday, is to take six statements from this chapter. I won't take 10 minutes in each, don't worry. Uh, and there are many more than six. This isn't in any way exhaustive, but just six um 
six statements, four of which speak of the character of God and two which are given as challenges to the people of Israel. So let's fire into the first, shall we? We find in verse 3, And all of you have seen that the Lord your God has done all these uh, things for your nation's sake. For it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. He's saying here, my people, you have been through a lot, but you have seen through your own eyes how God has watched over you, how God has protected you for your enemies, how God has fought for you. And as God's people, we see how God has fought and cared for his people. Even in exile, when they thought God could be distant, even in the wilderness, when they thought God was far, God was with them. You have seen all that the Lord your God has done. You've seen it with your own eyes. You've seen the miraculous of God. You've seen it, so do not forget it. Friends, how easy is it for us to forget the things that we have seen God do? How easy is it for us to forget the times that God has come through for us? We have seen the goodness of God. We have seen God come through for us time and time again, just like the Israelites have seen it. Have you seen it? Have you seen the transforming power of God? Have you seen God at work? Have you ever known somebody who has come to faith and the transformation in their life has been almost unbelievable? A whole moral compass, a whole way of life, focuses, passions, desires have been turned utterly upside down because the Holy Spirit is at work in somebody's life. Not something that can be explained or quantified really by mankind, but rather we acknowledge that it is God at work. Have you seen? Have you seen God work? That it is God that is fighting for his people. God is the protector of his people. The Israelites have seen this from the very beginning when we looked at stories of Rahab and we looked at the stories of Jericho all the way through of how God was with his people going before his people doing the miraculous. Don't forget it. You have seen what the Lord has done. The Lord has fought for you. Secondly, we read in verse 5, And you shall possess their land just as the Lord promises you. Very simply, another aspect to God's character, God is faithful to his promises. God said you would possess this land. And guess what? It happened. They possessed it. In the future to come, they will possess land. Guess what? They possess it because God is faithful to the promises that he has made. And this is one of the most wonderful things about scripture, is that it is packed with fulfilled promises, all the way from the front cover to the last. It is full of promises of a God that comes through for his people, of a God that is faithful, and no matter the disobedience of those people, no matter the disobedience of us, still the promises of God stand true. Everything God promises has and will come to fruition. One of my favourite passages of the New Testament, Promise of God, Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle in heart. I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The promise of God that he will give us rest. That he will take our burden of sin and of shame and he will give us a yoke that is easy and is light. Eternal promises given by God because he is faithful. Just as God promised land to his people and they had it. So too every promise that we read in scripture is true. You know Joshua this wise old man assumes that the promises of God are true. Why? Because he knows that God is a loving and a sovereign God. He knows that God is good for his promises. Do you? Do you this morning know in your heart of hearts that God is true to his promises? That God will never desert you? That there is hope in the Lord Jesus? That there is a future that is greater than what is here and surrounds us? Because he is king and one day we will be with him for eternity. People will let us down. People will break promises. We all know what it is to be hurt. We all know what it is to have promises broken and trust broken. And inevitably that will happen. But not with God. God will never let us down because his promises are good and they are true. Thirdly, we come this time to a challenge. We've had these two aspects of God. God is protector and God will fight for you. And God is faithful to his promises. And now we come to verses 6 to 8. And he gives this as a challenge to the people of Israel. Be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Turning aside from it, neither eh, to the right hand nor to the left that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you or make mention of the name of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow down to them but you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. I love it. Don't mix with wicked. Don't mix with the wickedness that exists in other nations. Don't entertain their gods. Don't entertain their idols. Don't swear by them. Don't serve them. Don't even look at them. Don't bow down to them. Don't dare turn to the left or to the right from what God has taught you. Do not lose focus. Don't entertain sin. Don't look at what they have over there and wish for it. We know that this is a reminder Israel needed because time and time again they took their focus off of God and it never ended terribly well for them. They got distracted and they trusted other gods beyond the true living God. How true is that for us? How often do we need the reminder do not look left and do not look right. Everything that you need is in the Lord Jesus. Do not take your focus and your eyes off of him. Do not serve any other master. Do not look anywhere outside of him for your fulfilment. Do not look anywhere outside him for your satisfaction because only he can satisfy. 
I love the word cling. It's really stuck with me this week uh, as it came up also in Joshua 22. But cling to the God that saves you, the God that saved Israel and the God that saves us. Do you know, it's interesting that the same phrase appears in Joshua 22, which was written, which comes years before. This is a long time afterward, years later. But we come to the same phrase, evidently a phrase that was important to Joshua if he is using it again later. And I gave this picture on Wednesday of our son Benjamin. And I'm sure if you know uh, any babies or you've ever held a baby, when you try and put them down when they're awake, they don't want to go down. They'll do what they can to grab onto your t-shirt or grab onto your skin. Or if you have long hair like Vic, they'll do whatever they can to grab hold of your hair. Why? Because for a young child, a cuddle is safety. To cling is where the safety and the protection and the comfort is for a baby. And I think that that is the picture that we are being given here when we look at this word cling. Do we cling to God, the one that we know is our protector, the one who will care for us, the one who will comfort us? When everything else is going on in the world, when there is sin and temptation all around us, do we cling to God and say, God, I want you above anything else that is out there in the world, so I'm just going to cling harder and closer and tighter to you? Do you know, I love it because this isn't some distant message of do this, don't do this, follow this command, don't do that command just for the sake of it. But God is saying, I am with you in the midst of everything that I have asked you to do. That is why you can cling to me. I'm not just going to tell you to do things and then leave you to do it. We are not as Christians on this journey on our own. It isn't up to us to, to grow in the fruits of the Spirit, but by the very nature of them, it is that fight against the flesh that as we live lives in the Spirit, the Spirit is at work in us. Cling. Cling to God. Cling to Him. And that is where we find. That is where we find God in the clinging to Him. That is how we go about not turning to the left, to the right and fighting the temptations that life throws at us, the struggles that life throws at us. Some of my favourite words as a child were James 4 verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cling to God because he is there. The fourth thing is another aspect of God's character. One man of you puts flight to a thousand since it is the Lord who fights for you, just as he promised. God is powerful. One of your men is able to make thousands flee because God is powerful and he is able to do all things. And more importantly, he is on your side and he is with you. That's what Joshua is saying here. Don't underestimate God because he is able to do all things. Do not fear because the God who is above all things and in all things and the creator and sustainer of all things is with you in the midst of whatever you face right now. Whether that be thousands in an army at your door, one man, one man can put flight to all of them because of the God that is with you. Not because of who the man is. Not because you're some superhuman who can fight thousands. But because God who is able to do all things is with you. 
again, just as he promises, the faithfulness of God coming through here. Something that is so vitally important to Joshua, the faithfulness of God. We looked at omnipotence in our series and the attributes of God a few months ago. The understanding that it is an essential part of God's character. That he is all powerful and able to do all things. Something that no other person, no other entity, no other anything can ever be. And again, this is the crucial reminder for Israel. Cling to God. Know God. Be in God's presence. Honour God. Understand who God is. And know that the power of God is able to cast off thousands. Never lose sight. Remember from the beginning, never lose sight of what God has done. Remember the things that God has done. Remember in your own life the ways that you have seen God at work. It is so easy for us to forget. It is so easy for us to forget the things that we have seen God do in our lives. But remember, remember who God is and that he is able to do all things. The fifth thing in here, the second challenge in this list that we find in verse 11. Be careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. Be very careful. Do I imagine at this point, as the Israelite leaders are sitting, listening to this, I know they won't have notepads, but if they did, I can imagine they'd be writing screeds and screeds and screeds as they listen to these words, as this man oozes wisdom in front of them, as he declares who God is, the promises that God has given them, the ways that God will protect them and watch over them. And interspersed throughout this are the challenges and the reminders of what they are to do. And here we have the second challenge, therefore... It reads, in light of everything that's gone before, in light of who God is and in light of all he has done, the declarations of who God is, therefore be careful to love God. There was a very real understanding here of God's justice towards his people for their disobedience. The consequences of disobedience are written throughout this passage. If we had more time, we'd go into some of that, but we don't have time to do that this morning. But often the role of the Old Testament prophets was the reminder of God's justice and the reminder of the real consequences of disobedience. Often it was the prophets saying, stop it. Stop veering left, stop veering right, stop looking at the idols of others because as people they needed reminded. It's interesting, isn't it? There's a real application therefore. Don't veer left, don't veer right, but be constantly reminded of who God is. Joshua is continuing to paint this picture of who God is. And because of who God is, we should love him. Love him with diligence and care. What does it look like for us as New Testament people to love God? It means to love him with all our hearts, all our souls, all our minds, all our strength. To love him above all things. To want to honour and to serve him. And it means loving our neighbours as ourselves the two great commandments that we are given. Love God. Be careful to do so because of who God is. Therefore, we love him. And finally, the, the sixth point in this list. Just another reminder of the character of God and knowing your hearts and souls 
all of you. Sorry, and you know in your hearts and your souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God has promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. God's promises are good and true. Again, in the couple of verses before this, we read of the very real consequences for Israel of breaking their covenant. Uh, again, I just don't have time for that uh, to go in there this morning. But there's this constant reminder. You see this. This is who God is, is being painted. This is what you should be doing. And this is the consequences if you don't. This is kind of the pattern Joshua is going through here. And, you know, Joshua opens this final bit of dialogue here in verse 14. And now I am about to go the way of all the earth. Death is near. His time has almost come. And he says, you know in your hearts and your souls, all of you, that not one word has failed. What an interesting reminder. You know it. You've seen it. You've experienced it. You know that God is true to his promises and that he is good. You know it in your hearts and your souls, in the very depths of your being. You know that not one word of God has ever failed. But yet they would turn their backs on him in times to come. Do you know, I'm sure we could all think of somebody we know that know in their hearts and their souls that God is good and the promises that he has we can all think of somebody that we say but they know the truth but yet still they have walked away from God see Israel knew all of them they knew in their hearts and their souls of who God is and his promises for them but still they would rebel it shows us how great our sin is that sin gets in the way of seeing God clearly when we know it. We know it. And yet still we rebel against God time after time after time. We are so easily distracted. We are so easily pulled away. It is far easier than we would care to admit. But here we find ourselves we know it in our hearts and our souls that not one word has failed. That God is true and he is faithful. And that is where we come to the glorious reality of God's redemptive plan throughout history. That is where we come to the wonderful reality of the Lord Jesus. That there is a plan for a way back for fallen and broken people people that know but people still that rebel there has always been a way back for God's people and if for us it looks like repentance I can be so stubborn I can be so adamant I'm right when I'm wrong and there are probably times when I there have been times when I've tried to convince myself that somehow I am right and God is wrong but friends none of us are as important as we think we are None of us are God. All of us fall short. His promises are good. His promises are true. His promises never fail, mine do. 
mine do, even to the person, to my wife that I love the most dearly. I can't say all my promises are true and all my promises are good and I will always fight for you in the way that God will fight for me because I am not God. Would we make sure that each of us comes back to the God whose burden is light and yoke is easy to share our heavy burdens at the foot of the cross? at the foot of the cross of the God who is faithful, of the God who is powerful, of the God who is able to do all things. And through that, would we walk in the light? Would we live in the spirit of God and not in our flesh so that we might be people that are transformed more and more into the image of God? constantly putting off things of the world and asking for the God Almighty through his spirit to fill us afresh, to strengthen us for what lies ahead. Do you know as I read all of this, Joshua chapter 23, as I reflect on the book, I can't help but think of the phrase, God will never fail you. even the time in the wilderness God was still present God was still with them God was still caring for them all the way into this book the walls of Jericho that looked impenetrable the prostitute Rahab and how God used her the lands that were taken that looked impossible God will never fail on his promises God is good all the time and his promises are true this is the message of Joshua the message of a God who is wonderful. The message of a God the message of a God who is lovely. The message of a God who is perfect. And most incredibly, that God loves you. How wonderful is our God, friends? How wonderful is He that He would lay down His life for you and for I? Just to recap on those points, God protects his people. That means that we are safe with him. God is faithful. That means that we are safe with him. Our call is to be grounded and focused in our faith. God is all-powerful and I am not. Love the God that loves you. And God's promises are true. And they are good. That is the reminder of Joshua to the leaders of Israel. And that is the reminder to us this morning. Friends, what a wonderful God we serve. Shall we just take some time, bow our heads and pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank you for the, the story and the life of Joshua. We thank you that we see your hand upon your people. We thank you that we see your faithfulness being declared and displayed. Lord, would that cause us to reflect on our own lives and the times that we have seen your faithfulness displayed. God, would we know that you were ever with us. And God, would that lead us to cling to you. 
Would that lead us to grounded and focused faith that are not distracted by the things of this world, but are fully focused on Jesus? Would we remember how powerful and awesome and mighty you are? And would we remember that every word that you have spoken is true? And God, would we respond to that by loving you? By laying down our lives and picking up our cross and following you? God, it blows our minds that you would care enough for us to send your son to die for. But we thank you that you did. We thank you that we can know you. And we thank you that we can live our lives in service of you. We thank you for your goodness to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you.